What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, wake up all the teachers, time to teach us. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better wake them up, get them up, get them going Wednesday, Wednesday on P&E, midweek, dragging you up over the hump, final week of March with a lot going on, Longhorns made it 15 in a row last night, their first win in Aggieland in a long, long time on the baseball diamond, details and highlights to come, also a big day over at the 40 Acres earlier in the day with the introduction of Randy, uh, Rodney Terry as the new head men's basketball coach for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, we'll certainly hear from Coach Terry now. Uh, NFL owners meetings continue out in Phoenix. We'll get you the very latest on that front. Got uh, NBA, what a Hall of Fame class announced yesterday. A lot of Texas flavor in the Basketball Hall of Fame class announced yesterday. Texas football, uh, halfway through the spring now, after yesterday's seventh practice. We'll get details there and uh, have a lot of fun on a Wednesday morning, 29 March. Glad you're with us. Whoever you're finding us, the uh, windy and cooler conditions continue here in this final week of the fourth month of the year. Appreciate you finding us. However you do, hope you can ride with us all morning long, all day long, live and local here on the Horn. Might be on 104.9, could be 101.9 FM, AM 1260, of course. It's still there for you. And digitally, we uh, take us wherever you go on that Horn app. Always on your smart speaker and always Mr. Godbolt. Uh, streaming live and on our Twitch channel at hornfm.com. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Hood, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do. It is appreciated. Look out for a little rain today, Ooh. this afternoon. It sprinkled a little bit last night. I think so. I was watching the beginning of that baseball game, sitting out on the back patio there. A little thought there was a little bit coming down. Rain coming down, yeah. Uh, but you may yes. get some this afternoon. Yeah, just just sprinkles, nothing yes. heavy. But uh, yeah, it could be some through the drive time this morning. A thirty percent chance of a shower or two in the uh, area. So be advised of that as you are getting up and getting out. You're wearing your uh, President's Cup gear today. I like that pullover. Yeah, you, man, God. it's nice. It's light, but man, it's it feels like I needed a heavier one today. <laughs> for some reason, it's cool. That wind starts blowing. Wind still up. blowing out there. Wind is up. Uh, for sure. Uh, gusty yesterday. I told you it would be, and it was. And, uh, yeah, so you might want to grab that pullover again Absolutely. today. Uh, Ty Henderson is here as well. We've got a lot to dive into. What a scene yesterday on the 40 Acres. It was a great night last night for the Longhorns down in Aggieland in front of the uh, the frenzied crowd at Bluebell Field there. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics, including that uh, big win for the Horns. UBO Business Services, yeah, Longhorns hold on for a 5-2 win last night at College Station. Their 15th consecutive win for David Pierce. Longhorns jumped out to an early 2-0 lead. Two spot in the first, thanks to the red-hot Porter Brown. He was named the Big 12's Player of the Week yesterday and started the first inning with a 2-RBI double. And Longhorns added another run in the third, two more in the eighth. Actually had 15 hits last night. Could have done more damage, but still got the five runs on the board. Five Texas pitchers, meanwhile, held the Aggies to just six hits. Allowed single runs in the first and sixth inning. LeBaron Johnson Jr. started the game, earned the win with 
three innings. Head coach David Pierce went to a pair of his weekend workhorses, too, to preserve the W as Friday starter Lucas Gordon threw 15 pitches and worked a scoreless seventh. Zane Morehouse recorded the final six outs for the save. Now, it didn't come without drama. Morehouse put the first two runners aboard in the ninth inning with a walk and then a hit batter, but he pitched through it. Coach and fielder's choice, then a strikeout, uh, got the final out to the plate. No balls, two strikes, two outs. Morehouse, the stretch, and the 0-2 pitch to Cason Wells. Strike three called, got him looking, and the ball game is over. Nightmare comes through with another save, a six-out save, and the Longhorns have beaten the Aggies for the first time in five years. That's right, Craig Way with the call last night right here on the Horns. The Horns' first win in College Station since 2011. Their first win over Texas A&M since 2018 uh, for a happy head coach, David Pierce. We just need to keep doing it. Every single day, come out with such a positive attitude and just see how we can get better and get ready for Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's right. 17th-ranked Oklahoma State is the uh, challenge this weekend. Three in Stillwater beginning on Friday. Earlier in the day on the 40, it was uh, Rodney Terry. Terry in that era of Texas men's basketball officially began as uh, Terry formally introduced as the permanent head coach of the program in front of a jam-packed house. The entire team was there. The 55-year-old Angleton native played collegially at St. Ed's, was previously a head coach at Fresno State and UTEP before coming back to Austin as associate head coach for Chris Beard last season. And as, uh, this opportunity is once in a lifetime. Like I always say to my guys every day, it's a great day to be alive, men. It's a great day to be a Longhorn. And it certainly was. He will take over uh, moving forward. Also from college basketball, what a finish last night in Vegas. North Texas topped Wisconsin 56-54 in the NIT semifinals. Mean Green closed the game on a 10-0 run to rally and steal the win and advance to the NIT championship game for the first time in program history. They're going to face a very familiar foe tomorrow night, UAB, who edged Utah Valley in the other semi last night in Vegas. So the championship game will be the fourth meeting this season between the two Conference USA rivals. Also from College Hoops, the reigning Big 12 freshman of the year, Keontae George from Baylor, announced that he is declaring for the NBA draft. Speaking of the NBA Basketball Hall of Fame class, of 2023 announced yesterday, and what an incredible class it is. Dwayne Wade, all-time Maverick Dirk Nowitzki, Pau Gasol, Spurs legend Tony Parker have all been selected, along with Spurs head coach Greg Popovich and WNBA legend Becky Hammond. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. How about 15 in a row? Wow. Yeah, Boy, and it seemed like that score was going to be like 12 to 2. Yeah, they had 15 hits last night. They had a uh, couple of opportunities where, what, they had four straight singles. And the, I thought they were going to break it wide open. Yeah, they had their chances, and uh, you know, Aggies made some big pitches in big spots, and, and Longhorns, you kind of felt like that was a game that, uh-oh, man, we should be up big, and all yes. of a sudden there's two on in the ninth, and um, Zane Morehouse, though, pitches through it. Uh, you can tell how important that was to David Pierce to get the win. I mean, to... Uh, and one of those, it's one of those radio RPI victories on the road against an SEC team. It's the Aggies, of course, and Longhorns haven't won there in a long time. David Pierce has never won there as head coach of Texas, and uh, to go down there and get that win in front of eight thousand hostile Aggies was uh, was a nice one. And uh, pitching staff did a great job. But yeah, five to two, the final. They are finding ways, and uh, as we've talked about, they just the roles have been defined. Uh, the, the the star players that that you're going to lean on or rise into the top. Uh, when saying David Pierce really wanted to win to go to Zane to go to Lucas Gordon on a Tuesday night. Of course, he's your Friday horse. Right. He came in and pitched, and Coach had said afterwards he expects him to, to start on Friday. He only threw 15 pitches. It was efficient. He struck out a couple batters, uh, but that was a big bridge inning to get those three outs in the seventh to then go to Zane Morehouse for a six out save in the eighth and the ninth. But 
Uh, that's become the the Friday combination for the Longhorns to be able to uh, win and close ball games. I mean, it's it's pretty clear now that Zane Morehouse has become the closer of the baseball team. Oh yeah, I love that kind of seem like stress free kind of innings he had. You know, yeah, just cruise on through there. Well, I mean, get the good calls. That, that you know, what you want in a closer, right, is the heart rate doesn't get up, the uh, right. the the blood pressure doesn't rise. You have to have it. Those those final three to six outs are the toughest outs to get in a baseball game. And to to see that last night, he he walked the first batter, and then he hit uh, the second batter, left hander, kind of kind of up on his elbow. Um, wasn't too wild of a pitch. He was just trying to pitch to the inside corner, and it got him nipped him on his elbow inside of his arm. So now you have two aboard and nobody out on the road, and the Aggies are all crazy. Um, then your your second baseman Jack O'Dowd boots a double play ball. Fortunately, he got the one out at first. That one, though. But that's one where you're like, oh, no. <laughs> now they're second and third. And, um, you know, single knocks in a couple. And uh, the tying runs at the plate. And he pitched right through it. Got a couple of strikeouts. Now, there was a moment there. They, they did a challenge at first base uh, on a close close pickoff. A challenge on a pickoff play. It's close. At second base, they ended up losing the challenge. But what that did, Buck, was give Zane Morehouse a chance to, t- to calm sure. down. I think that was part of it too, was to, to take calm a down, deep breath. Yeah, take a deep breath. You got some warm up pitches again to kind of because that's allowed when you're doing a long challenge to go ahead and and stay loose. So I think that helps Zane Morehouse a little bit. He comes back with back to back punch outs and uh, he is you know, picked up another save. So yeah, he's now the closer, right? He was your Saturday starter to start yep. it, but uh, the redshirt junior has 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 grabbed that that role at the back end of the bullpen and, and done a great job. Uh, I thought LeBaron Johnson Jr. was solid in the game last night, and really what you're seeing is the hitting coming together, Buck. We we know last year's team historically great offensively, and we weren't sure what this year's baseball team was going to be for the Longhorns. But, man, Peyton Powell is uh, playing at an all-conference, all-American level. Uh, he's batting four sixteen last now after last night's games. Uh, here's a guy, Buck, through the first, what are you sitting now, at uh, 19 and 7, so you played 26 games uh, so far this year. This guy has got... Uh, 53 total bases, and he's only struck out six times all year long. Uh, he bats in that two-hole from the left side and just gives you great at-bat after great at-bat. His OPS is up over 1,200 now. Uh, he was on base seemingly all night long. Eric Kennedy is the six-year senior who's playing like one. Porter Brown continues to deliver big hits in the middle of the order. Uh, Garrett Gamet is doing his thing. So your lineup's coming together. The defense and the and the pitching staff coming together right at the right time, Buck. It's late March. You're into April, and now the, the meat of conference play right. is here, and you'll play at Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, starting on Friday night. So, uh, good baseball. 15 in a row. Longest winning streak in the nation right now for any team. 15 straight. And the Aggies a are scuffling. A lot of straight wins by any kind of sport. Yeah, so, let's get some poor Aggie conversation going. Now, that's, the Aggies are scuffling a little bit right now. They are struggling, aren't they? They had their opportunities last night. They they did they did and uh, well only six hits for the Aggies and that's that when you look at the team stats for the Aggies they got some issues they don't pitch great no and um, they their hitting is they're all right this is kind of that transition year for for the Aggies of course who were in Omaha last year they ended the Longhorn season in Omaha last year uh, you know with that that second win of course the Longhorns got to Omaha and lost to Notre Dame turned around lost to Texas A and M and Longhorns get a little bit of revenge. That was bigger on the bigger stage, but this was a nice win for the Texas Longhorns on the road. What'd you make of the uh, Rodney Terry press conference yesterday? Uh, yeah, I thought, man, to see him to get a standing ovation as he walked in, his entire team was there. Um, there was yeah, a lot it was kind of cool to see that some of the old folks there. A lot of it was energy. packed. He had a lot of energy in there. You're right. Energy is the word. The Lost Dodds was there. Yep. Made the trip in from Horseshoe Bay. Uh, did to, of course, be there and support. 
uh, which was cool to see. I mean, it was it was a, it was a good day for Texas basketball. I mean, as we talked about yesterday to start the show, you know, as 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 badly as things could have gone off the rails back in December and into January when this Chris, Chris Beard situation went down, uh, it's just it's landed smoothly for everybody. Um, Rodney Terry is seems to be the right guy for the job. The team loves him, and um, the players play for him. All the former players that showed back up to, to be there. T.J. Ford, who was with us yesterday, was there, and we talked to him at the end of the show on his way to the press conference. Uh, there's just a lot of positivity in and around the program right now. It feels like coming off a 29 win. Yeah, season and they the will hit the ground work. They know they've got to hit the ground going. Yeah, as of now, they do. Uh, and that's what Roddy Terry was asked. But it was Brock Cunningham, his own player, who stepped up and asked a question. Asked the last question: What's your first? What's your, what's your, what are you going to do? What's your first thing you're going to do as the coach of the Longhorns? And he said, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to meet with the team. And uh, really haven't had a chance to talk to you guys since we've gotten back from uh, Kansas City. Yeah, probably not a lot of one-on-ones. They've been doing so much team stuff. Now he can start talking to guys one-on-one and then get ready to. Yeah, you got to meet with the guys you know sure. leaving, right? We know there are four key guys that aren't going to be back. Uh, Marcus Carr, Christian Bishop, uh, Sir Jabari Rice, and Timmy Allen, who were all there yesterday. They're all moving on. They're out of eligibility. Got to say goodbye to them. Yep, and try to help them with the next phase of their lives and careers. And um, then, then, yes, talk to the guys who can come back and, uh, you know, see who wants to be there and then start diving into the portal. Absolutely. And keeping this freshman class in place. And I, I didn't see – Ty, did you watch any of the McDonald's All-American game last night? I did not. That was last night. I didn't. I was watching the ball game, so I didn't get to see that. But that's Ron Holland, the Longhorn top recruit, was there playing in that game. And by all accounts – the kid from Duncanville has just torn up the week because they have a week of workouts ahead of the game last night. Yeah, I night. saw some of the scrimmaging during the week. He was he was one of the stars there, man. That guy's an impact player coming in uh, from Duncanville, Texas. Uh, also, A.J. Johnson, the, the the point guard from the West Coast, rolling in here. And uh, we, we learned yesterday from our friend Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas that you know Rodney Terry, one of the things he brings to this job are incredibly longstanding connections. Um, and not just in Texas, on the West Coast. Coach, of course, he coached at Fresno right. State for five or six years. He actually recruited A.J. Johnson. Part of the reason he's coming to Texas is his relationship with Rodney Terry that was built with his older brother when he was at Fresno State back, back in the day. And that's just one of the things that you, you learn about Rodney Terry pretty quickly. He's got an infectious way of connecting with people. Uh, he, and he, the, the relationships are longstanding. Uh, he talked yesterday and gave credit to uh, C.C. Collier, his uh, his the first head coach he worked under was at Bowie High School. Yeah, I heard CC along with Zay and Chad yesterday. Yeah, I, I figured that Zay would get his pops on to talk about that. That was cool. Maybe we'll try to pull some of that sound because CC is about as good as a guy as you're going to get. But yeah, that was you know he came out of St. Edwards and started you know getting into coaching uh, and he his first football coaching football coaching at the middle school level coaching the freshman team at Bowie and um, you know and, and remember CC Coach Collier there at Bowie had already been a college head coach, right? Mm-hmm. He was the head coach. He was the youngest head, one of the youngest head coaches ever down at Southwest Texas State. Uh, Southwest Texas State. And he, you know, he's told that story, though. CC wanted to get the, the college coaching, traveling too much, he felt like, in the recruiting, and he wanted to put down some roots. So he took a high school coaching job at Bowie, and gosh, he was there ever since. But that's where Rodney Terry, he said yesterday that he was his first he wanted to be a college head coach. That was his dream. And working for CC helped because CC had been a college head coach. He mm-hmm. was able to, to kind of point him in a good direction. And uh, now here he is at 55 years old with all the energy in the world. And um, it'll be a fun fun run now. To well, see he where does have a lot of energy. Doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, and he can talk. 
Oh, no, he can go. He can go. Uh, But that was a positive day for the Longhorns on what has been at times a negative year uh, for the the program and for what's gone on. And now here it is in good hands. And, you know, Chris Beard's off to Ole Miss. Um, Rodney did reveal yesterday that Chris Beard reached out to him yesterday, congratulated him. I'm assuming if you're Chris Beard and, you know, you you aren't going to be able to have this job any longer, which was your alma mater and your dream job uh, because of what went on, you're, you're happy that Rodney Terry is able to take it and continue to build on on what was in place. And, you know, somebody you hired, one of your first hires when Chris Beard got here was reaching out to Rodney Terry and see if he'd leave UTEP. That's also a cool story from yesterday, Buck, that Rodney told that during COVID, while he was still the coach at UTEP, uh, bought a house in South Austin right there. Just, no, he's always wanted to live here. Yeah. This, this is where he wanted to be. And he says, you know, God put your, put your feet where they need to be. And just think about that, that he bought the house there in, right there down north of St. Edwards there. No, he didn't have a fancy palace anywhere. No, it's right there between you know St. Ed's and downtown. And, Comfortable. Uh, it's, home. That, it's home. Bought that during COVID, knowing eventually whenever it was, it was where he wanted to live. So he made the investment at that time. But, you know, not long after that, Chris Beard calls him and says, hey, you want to come be my top, top assistant uh, down here in Austin? And he said, you know, let's do it. And uh, obviously it's led to this and the opportunity in December to take over the program. And as Chris Del Conte said yesterday, give him the whistle. And, you know, Jay Hartzell, the president of the university, called it the longest job interview ever. And he did a heck of a job um, between December and then uh, what we saw this past Sunday. So Rodney Terry, now the head coach at Texas, will take your thoughts. Good stuff for him. Five one two. Good stuff for everybody. Three three seven, three seven seven. And it's great for the players that will remain here too to have him still back here. Yeah, and that's why I say Chris Beard's got to be happy about it that there's going to be not just you know you bring in a brand new coach from outside he's going to hire his own staff and it's another you know complete turnover. This is a lot of consistency in the program uh, moving forward when when it could have gone a different direction for sure for the Texas Longhorns. So I think the recruiting class stays intact and uh, they'll they'll be. It felt like there's you know those guys that have an opportunity to come back are, are going to want to be a part of this program. The Tyrese Hunters, Dylan Mitchell, Arterio Morris. No guarantees, but uh, no. you hope you have a real solid base and foundation to build on. The big name's going to be Dylan DeSue. Does he come back? He's got an opportunity to, uh, to come back, or does he want to start his pro career, Buck, and see what that looks like for him? Or does he want to start his life career? Yeah, well, He's been think, playing a long time. Well, You know all those guys, they want to keep playing until... Well, some until, do, and some want to go into business and other things that they... Some of them have had some guys have had enough. There are truly some guys that would like to move on in their lives instead of practice and, and do this. Yeah, they all want to be first round draft picks, but they play school. I mean, some of them do play school. Well, I got to think Dylan DeSue coming off a, a tournament most outstanding player at the Big 12 tournament, the way he played in the first weekend of March Madness and then not being able to play. I mean, that's, that's not the way you want that to, to, to finish, I, I would think. But the question becomes, does he want to try his hand professionally or does he want to come back and, as you said, play school and have, play one more college basketball year? Because, look, at, you know, Dylan Sue's not an NBA player right now, but the G League is there. Uh, there's an opportunity there. There's, you know, leagues all over the world where you can go right. get paid to play basketball and um, make pretty good money uh, doing that as well. And Dylan DeSue, uh, he played his best basketball at the biggest moments this year. Kind of feels like since he transferred in from Vanderbilt that he finally found his confidence, found his offensive game. And it really came together for him. Really unfortunate that the Longhorns didn't have him. Because if he had stayed healthy, you know, they may still be playing uh, into the Final Four this weekend. But obviously, season ended on Sunday. Yeah, that was tough for him. That was tough for the team. Yeah. They really missed him in that basketball game. You know, of all the bad luck, I mean, that, that was right at the worst moment. And, you know, we, and, and as, as we saw against Miami on Sunday. Not a knee injury, not the knee, not but just the a foot. bone bruise. Yeah. 
bone bruise in your foot, and then, you know, gosh, you go back to the Miami game, you know, the, Jim Laranega, the coach of the Hurricanes, goes to a five-guard lineup. I mean, he's got five guards on the floor. And, gosh, if you had a healthy Dylan DeSue, he wouldn't have been able to do that, A, eh? uh, because you would have just torn him up on the other end of the floor. Um, but, you know, that's that's the way sports go. Well, I wouldn't have doubted if the kid would have made every shot because I watched it damn near, you know, for the last month of the year. Everything he threw up went in. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm talking about uh, for the Longhorns, if you have Dylan DeSue, Jim Lernick can't go to a five-guard lineup uh, in that spot because Dylan would have just had his way on the other end uh, and that was part of the Longhorns' problem. When you you stopped scoring and they started scoring down the stretch of that basketball game, we saw the same thing against Penn State. Um, you know, Penn State made a run, and it was Dylan DeSue over and over and over again down the stretch making big buckets. Did not have that uh, on Sunday, and the season came to an end. But uh, uh, the the Rodney Terry, Terry era is underway for the Texas Longhorns. Texas baseball, nice win last night on the road, number 15 in a row. We'll talk about it with you. We'll also get back into the NFL. Um but it's so interesting. We'll get into this Lamar Jackson conversation, which continues. There is a, I saw there was a podcast. Richard Sherman, uh, the longtime Seattle Seahawk defensive back, uh, he and some guys were on a podcast talking about uh, the Lamar Jackson situation, and they were upset at uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen for not holding the line and trying to get a guaranteed contract when they had when they could have. Um, and that's within the players' conversation. That's what's being being discussed these days. That you know, Kirk. Remember, Kirk Cousins, your guy with the Minnesota Vikings, got a fully guaranteed right. contract. And the next people up were Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, quite honestly, for big contracts. Mahomes was the one that could have held the line and said, "I want guaranteed money all the way through." Didn't, uh, and you know, signed a ten-year deal in Kansas. Five hundred million dollars, almost five hundred million dollars yeah. worth. You're going to tell that guy that he's doing the wrong thing, really? Yeah. Well, look, that's a, to me, that's an example of why the baseball union is so strong. Because Major League Baseball's union, they, they, every contract that you do for yourself is also for everybody else, right? That's kind of the deal. It's been taught to the players throughout, and that's why they hold the line on things like that. Uh, in this case, if you're Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you want to make a lot of money playing quarterback, but you also realize that in a salary cap league... I need to have some of my other players around. I need to be able to have yeah. people around me. It's not just me. Yeah, because in baseball, there's no salary cap, right? Yep. There's luxury tax and there's you know thresholds and things of that nature. But in the NFL, there's a cap. And everybody has to play within the cap. And so Patrick Mahomes, much like Tom Brady for a long time, realized you know my my ability to win Super Bowls is predicated on the roster we can build around me. And if I'm going to demand guaranteed money, I mean, that takes away from the other parts of the team, correct? That's right. So, I mean, yes, if you're Richard Sherman and other players, you can criticize it because it's what's stalemating Lamar Jackson right now with the Baltimore Ravens. But at the same time, you know, who just won the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes. Again, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it has been shown over and over again. Uh, quarterbacks on a rookie contract and then quarterbacks like Tom Brady who are willing to take less than market value – to build a stronger roster to win Super Bowls, that's what wins. Uh, that's what allows you to win Super Bowls. If it's about making the absolute final dollar, every dollar you you think you're owed, well, then, okay. But you're you're probably going to be in a, in a Cleveland Brown situation right now where their quarterback is a $54 million cap hit, uh, which limits the ability for them to, you know, add pieces uh, around it on a, in a salary cap league. Yeah, but Patrick Mahomes is making his money out of football also. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because he's winning Super Bowls, and that's what they want on TV. They want that face. Yeah. He's endorsement deals. Yes. 
Patrick Mahomes is not hurting for money no. at this point. Um, is he making the absolute market value for what his worth is? Well, no. I mean, think but about he can it. go in there within a year and ask for for more, and then say, okay, sure. You got two Super Bowls. Sure. What do you, what do you need? Let's do another one. Yeah. Well, think about LeBron James, right? LeBron James in the NBA, they plays in a salary cap league too. I mean, if LeBron James was ever in a, in an open market situation where he could go anywhere for the highest bidder. You know what? How much money would be worth? I mean, it's on a, on a market value because you are what your worth, your value is. Yeah, but those guys understand what it takes to win a championship. That's right. That's exactly right, and that's the difference between you know baseball, football, and you know capped league and non capped leagues. All right, we'll talk about all those things. The NFL meetings continue. Uh, the annual owners meetings out in Phoenix. We get the very latest from that. Uh, also, all the other top stories of the morning. How about the Mean Green of North Texas? playing for an NIT championship. That was a high drama last night in Vegas. We'll review that. Craig Way has his report coming up. We've also got some B&E facts of the day as we're just getting warmed up on this hump day on B&E. Busy Wednesday on B&E. As Buck mentioned, could be a little, uh, little wet for your commute this morning. Could be. No guarantees. 30% chance of some rain. Talking uh, Longhorn win 15 in a row and a win over the Aggies. Somewhat avenging that loss in Omaha last year, but not all the way. You know, we almost got uh, the Sweet 16 last Friday night with the Longhorns and Aggies in college basketball, but the Aggies couldn't get it there, right? No. Couldn't get it there. Um, but we got it last night, which is always good. And you can tell that David Pierce absolutely wanted that ball game, putting Lucas Gordon in the game as Friday night starter and Zane Morehouse for six outs at the end of it to close out a 5-2 to two victory for the Horns. Craig Way will have more on that coming up uh, in the Craig Way report as the Longhorns are off to Stillwater now. But uh, uh, Aggies always like to beat the Longhorns. Longhorns always like to beat the Aggies. It doesn't matter what sport it's in. Doesn't matter. Or it doesn't matter if it's a sport. And here we are, not far away from uh, being back together in the same conference. Whether the Aggies like it or not, I guess is the way you would put it. Because uh, Longhorns are headed to the Southeastern Conference. And hopefully they'll be ready for it. Yeah. Well, I think they're ready for it in every sport. Football is the question. And is football going to get there? And be w- what level will it be when it gets there? This year is a big determining you know, I think factor so. uh, of, of what kind of step it can take. Because the 8 and I think five, I'll be able to tell if it's Mississippi State when it walks in there. Or, you know, where they are competitive-wise after this year, I would think. Well, I would get. I would say on paper right now it's better than Mississippi State. And is it Georgia? No. Um, is, is it Alabama? Alabama? No. But we saw them play toe to toe with Alabama last year. One game, year. yes. Well, on a it, consistent basis. Yeah, you got to do it on a well on a week by week basis. But um, you know the talent gap isn't that dramatic. Uh, and remember that was an Alabama team that was alleged to be Nick Nick Saban's best when the season began, uh, with with Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and Will Anderson and all that talent. And uh, the Longhorns lost by a point and had an opportunity in that game. So, yeah, that's the question. How far is it from the SEC's top? Um, but, yes, that's really the key, right? We've seen the Longhorns beat Georgia in a Sugar Bowl. in You know, that's back under Tom Herman. But we've seen them play toe-to-toe with LSU in, in a matchup. We've also seen them get scrubbed by Arkansas right up there. Be by Washington. But, uh, yeah, it's a week-by-week consistency that the program is looking for. We know there's – Pretty good talent at Texas right now. There's no doubt about that and growing. Yeah, and maybe as good as it's been in more than a decade here at Texas. Uh, back to the Mac Brown era as far as overall talent as the Longhorns are now through half of their spring practices. They've got 14 spring practices. So the seventh one was in the books yesterday and then seven more. And then they're going to play the spring game on the 15th of uh, of April. And, yeah, we'll all get to see it. But um, 
you know, that's the, the, the talent is building. And that's the one thing that you can say without, you know, completely objectively about Steve Sarkeesian. The ability for he and his staff to add talent to the roster is undoubted. The question is, can they coach that talent to a consistent week-by-week program that can play with anybody every Saturday? It's the little things that matter. Because if once the talent is there, it will be all about the little things that will matter in quarters and, and certain times of games, you know, the things that will take you over the hump. And not lose games you shouldn't lose. That's for um, sure. You know, figure – that's – I mean, we, we talked about that last year after the Alabama loss, that that really is the next step for this program is becoming a winning program. Be, you know, finding ways to not win Not having games. lapses. Because this, this team is, is, is more as improved as they are – in key places, they still seem to find ways to lose games, not find ways to win games uh, in critical moments of football games. And that's, that's um, and obviously that's something Steve Sarkeesian talks about a lot, uh, finishing, finishing games, finishing plays. The competition in this, this camp is important to, f- to find the best players who are going to step up in the yeah, biggest Yeah, that's the moment. part that just becomes a part of your culture. No, we don't lose that type of game. Yeah. We win that type of game with three minutes to go in the game. We, we make the stops that we have to. We get the first downs that we have to. We won't, we won't turn the ball over. That's just what we do. I mean, once you get to that point, and I mean, those are those are just a part of what your culture is about. Yeah. And they'll get to that. Well, because coming out of the Alabama game, that was what we said about Alabama. That team just finds ways to win a game. They didn't play good. No, they played like crap that day. And uh, I, and they were made to play that way. Yeah, Longhorns pushed them around. I mean, that was the exciting part. The Longhorn defensive front showed, That's hey, right. we, we, can, we can bully Alabama. Um, you know, the Alabama defense was pretty good, but they also knocked out the Texas quarterback on uh, on a penalty uh, in the first quarter of the game. Or who yeah, knows? Yeah, you start getting goes. to the you start getting to the point where you have two two losses in a season, and that's not a good season for you. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's Alabama, the bar of Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, and those two losses came on the final play of the game. They lost at LSU on the game's last play. They lost at Tennessee on the game's last play, and that turned yeah, out. You to start be getting a, to that point where people are saying that's a terrible year for you. Two losses. And You're going but, in the right direction, pretty much. And, of course, they play at Alabama Week 2 this year, at Alabama. And that's going to be, as we start to really you know, get through the spring, get to see the Lawhorns in the orange-white scrimmage, and you know Quinn Ewers at quarterback, and how the running back room emerges. We you know, know the offensive line is, is developing. Wide receiver room looks really good. Jatavion Sanders can be a stud on, at, the, at the tight end position. There's a lot to like about the team, both sides of the ball. And then you look over at Alabama. They're going to be Alabama, but they're replacing – you know, their best players at quarterback and defense on the defensive side. They're replacing both of their coordinators, offensive and defensive, and installing new systems. So, you know, the Longhorns, when they go to Tuscaloosa next fall, will have the more will have more continuity and consistency in their program than Alabama does right now. Um, they're they're installing right now a new offense, yeah. and obviously Nick Saban is the the constant. As long as he's there, they're going to be Alabama. Yeah, and, and when, when we talked to Jerry. Was it yesterday we talked to him? Jerry Hamilton, yep. Yeah, it was very interesting for me to hear about a kid playing, coming from wide receiver to the running back room and making an impact. And I mean, he notices, I mean, he knows about football. He knows about those specific kind of kids that make movements from one position because he's seen so many of those in his career that they make a move. And when they make a move, they become very effective immediately. I mean, that's, that's weird. I mean, that kid must have been quite the athlete in high school. Yeah, well, Jerry Hamilton was talking about Savion Red. Savion Red to making the move from receiver to to running back, and that he's a thumper. I mean, those four yard runs are hard runs. For, that's 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 different for a wide receiver to come back and do that. Well, that's the most uncertain position, maybe on the whole team, 
uh, is running back. Um, I would say running yeah. back and linebacker. Really, I think is where you would you would start with with who who's going to move to the top of the depth chart. Jonathan Brooks, and remember they're they're kind of being very careful with Jonathan Brooks right now because he had hernia surgery mm-hmm. after that Alamo Bowl where he played so well. Um, but yeah, Savion Red. I mean, you think well, wide receiver to running back that seems weird, but remember he was a running quarterback not long ago in high school. Uh, he so running is his thing. I mean, that's when he was playing up in the Metroplex. He was a running quarterback who came here as just kind of an athlete. And you know, Steve Sarkeesian says we let him play one full year at wide receiver. Now we're moving him back to running back, and we think over time we can have this hybrid player who can do a little bit of everything. Sure, he said we were spoiled when we got here that. You know, Bijan Robinson was a great running back, but he was also just a natural receiver. So we could use him, and some would say not enough, uh, in a lot of different places. He never had to leave the field, and we can put him in a lot of packages. That's how they, you know, they 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 hope they can do that a little bit with Keelan Robinson this year at running back, uh, if his hands continue to improve and his ability to run routes. But Savion Red, they hope can be that perfect hybrid player. Sure, where he already knows the route tree from the receiver position, having played a year there. Now he's running running in the running back room. And he can just be that ultimate weapon. But as Jerry Hamilton said to us yesterday, he's really open in some eyes at his ability just to run between the tackles. Oh yeah, just to be a running back, and uh, that he's he's got that. You know, he's a big kid. I mean, he's only five eleven, but he's two hundred pounds. And oh yeah, I mean, if he's a natural, stout. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and that's he's open in some eyes, and he's because he's getting an opportunity because they are they are taking it easy on Jonathan Brooks. Uh, Cedric, you know, C.J. Baxter, the freshman, is just here. Learning, he's just learning the offense. Jaden Blue is here. But, uh, yeah, that, that room, any, the, whole, the whole group has a chance. And it appears, at least through halfway through, that Savion Red is uh, making well, some noise. Somebody has to be the running back. Somebody has to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be the lead. And even Steve Sarkeesian, and we'll hear from him, by the way. Steve Sarkeesian was going to have a media availability yesterday. Uh, normally on a Tuesday after practice they do, but they didn't want to get in the way of the uh, – Rodney Terry introduction, so they're going to do that tomorrow after practice tomorrow. So we'll hear from Sark on Thursday. We'll have to we'll sift through it on Friday morning of where they are because that leads into their scrimmage. You know that's their role. They practice twice a week, do a lot of uh, film work and in the in the classroom, and then they hit the the scrimmage field on Saturday. You know for those real intense important scrimmages, that'll be the case all the way to the spring game two weeks from Saturday. So yes, and you're right, someone's got to emerge. But even Steve Sarkeesian said the last time we heard from him. You know, he's in his career as a play caller and a head coach. He's always had a thousand-yard running back, and he's looking at it this year, saying, "Well, is, is someone going to emerge and be that bell cow, right. be that you know, lead running back?" And not or, as a group, but an individual that can just, do that. And so that's always just been the way. But you know, could this be an outlier year even for Sark, where it's you know, two three guys who accumulate fifteen hundred yards rushing and become your running game? Uh, that's going to be the question. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is probably the lead candidate. I know my my partner on the Eyes on Texas podcast that we do, Mike Craven, with Dave Campbell's Texas Football, he believes by the Oklahoma game it's going to be C.J. Baxter who emerges as the lead running back at Texas, and he'll be the guy that pushes for 1,000 yards as a true freshman. His argument is that he's just got the the frame for it. I mean, he's a big 6'1", 6'1 half guy uh, who already looks, even though he should be a senior in high school right now. Sure, he looks the part. Looks ready yep. to handle that because, you know, if Jonathan Brooks isn't, then – Jaden Blue is is not big enough to become that guy. He's not the, he's more of a, a perimeter runner, much like Keelan Robinson is going to be. And then there's Savion Red, the converted receiver. But C.J. Baxter is the one that looks the part of a of a thousand yard type durable running back against. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the position. If you're if you're you know if you've yet, if you're a natural, you just go play. Yeah, you've you know, you've you done get, it. You've yeah, had them. Yeah, you just get the, you know you you don't have to know the exact 
way guys are going to block. You just need to know what the play is supposed to be designed to do. Then your natural ability just takes on from there. I don't know if that that's that's one that's outside of Richard Williams. For, was there another freshman that you had that came in and Troy, Troy Straffer when I coached at Boston College was just came in and just, just a, took just, off. Yeah, and he was five foot eight, but he had that that natural strength. Yeah, and then Ricky uh, Priest, all those guys were just they they just understood what what it was all about. Sean Mitchell was just a speed guy. I mean, Adrian Walker. I mean, they're they're, they're a big. But they were big physical kind of guys, too. Some of those guys were big. You know, they were 205. You know, they weren't the 180-pound kid that comes out of high school. Well, and that's where C.J. Baxter, right? He's straight right. out of high school, but he's, you know, big, yeah, big and sturdy. 200-some pounds, yeah. Uh, and learning the way. Uh, so, yeah, maybe not early. But remember, B. John Robinson, people criticized uh, Tom Herman for not using him enough in his freshman year uh, coming out and of he was Arizona. over 200 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I will say this for Sark. He's shown... If you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. If playing left tackle, playing wide receiver, playing wherever, and that you know even on a deeper and more talented team in year three, you could still see freshmen having an impact. If it's C.J. Baxter at running back, uh, could be a guy like Anthony Hill Jr. at uh, linebacker, Leona Lafau at linebacker. Those guys are going to have an opportunity. Yeah, those special positions. I mean, there's some nuances to a linebacker and cornerback and stuff like that. If you're a running back or a wide receiver, and you're young and you get a scholarship to Texas. You need to be playing. I mean, if you're that good, you be, should be a player. Yeah. You know? Come play. And we know from when you were coaching, players come in with a lot more reps. They're playing in these camps oh all goodness. summer long. And seven on seven. Seven on sevens. And uh, they're, they're, they're more ready, it feels like, than even then uh, that, at that position. All right. So there's some Texas football chatter halfway through. Halfway through the spring workout, seven in, seven to go, and then the spring game on the 15th. We'll come back, pick up some B&E facts of the day, talking Rodney Terry's introduction as the new uh, leader of Texas men's basketball and 15 in a row for the Longhorns. Here's Craig Way. It's Bucky and Aaron. Wednesday on the Horn, B&E with you. It's a lot of Texas chatter. We'll hear more from Rodney Terry coming up. His introduction is the new head coach is the Texas men's basketball program. Also, David Pierce talking about uh, the big win last night down at College Station. Somebody said, guys, I was there yesterday. Aggies talking trash all afternoon. They were silent when we were leaving the yard. There you go. Longhorns, that's how you shut somebody up. You get a victory. 5-2 to two final. We'll recap it coming up, talking all things uh, Texas football as well and the NFL. Hey, how about the uh, B&E facts of the day? Break up the mean green of North Texas out of Denton, Texas. They won last night, scored the game's final 10 points, and beat Wisconsin out of the Big Ten. 56-54, run. How about Wisconsin? They scored 13 points in the second half. They were up double digits at the wow. half. They scored 13 second-half points in a basketball game out in Las Vegas. And that doesn't get it done. 13? 27-13. And, yeah, I mean, North Texas was down. They, they were down eight points and scored the game's final 10 and win it. They're going to play in the championship game tomorrow night, and it's going to be two Conference USA teams because UAB, the Blazers, won last night. So the the Mean Green and the Blazers are going to play for the fourth time. So they know this year. each other well, I would say. Yeah, they played their two conference tilts, and they also played in the four Conference times? USA How do you tournament play four times. You know, because they played in the Conference USA tournament. Now the Mean Green won the first two. They lost the game in the conference tournament. Uh, so they're two and one against the UAB Blazers, but the Mean Green looking to be the NIT champions, which would be pretty impressive. We know as soon as their season ends with a win or a loss on Thursday night. 
that their head coach, Grant McCasland, is headed to Texas Tech to be the new head basketball coach of the Red Raiders. He's doing a great job there. But 13 points, Wisconsin. Come on, man. What do you think think they're talking about in Badgerland today? Like, really? Our team out of the Big Ten, the mighty Big Ten, couldn't beat the Mean Green and couldn't score more than 13 points in 20 minutes? That's bad. That's not good offense. That ain't good. It ain't good, for (laughs) sure. You know, when you're asking me about running backs, yeah, I'll say this. The first thing in recruiting for me or looking, because I grew up in the time of, obviously, you know, Metcalf and Barry Sanders, Joe Washington, Gail Sayers. Those are the guys that I looked at because – the ability to make you miss was very, very important. You know, longevity, once you get out of high school and you get to to college, you're, you know, there were a few bangle, bangers like Earl and some other guys, Sam Bam Cunningham, but man, the ability to make you miss was always, because everything is not perfectly blocked, you know. When you go up in there, you got, I mean, there'll be a guy standing in the hole, like the way Bijan runs. That's, that, those are the kind of things, those are the kind of qualities I look for first. You had to be able to make guys miss. Well, uh, the the ability to, to force missed tackles is a great yes. stat, uh, and Bijan was the best at it last year. But, but is that coachable, or is that just innate? Now, in that's, that's that's generally innate right there. Yeah, the contact part. I mean, you can help with that. You, I mean, there's a certain toughness. I mean, Ricky knew how to take a hit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he would, or to dish out that punishment because he had those kind of legs. And upper body. I mean, he didn't. He never shied away from contact. But he was believe me, he, he didn't want to have all that contact. He liked making guys miss. Well, I think you know you're talking about generational players. We're talking about Barry Sanders and Earl, and then you know, Ricky oh, Williams. Joe Washington and was Dijon. like Joe, Joe Washington was awesome. And, and let's be fair, the Longhorns may not have that right now on the campus. I mean, we we're gonna, if there is one, it's maybe C.J. Baxter, but Bijan, that's a once in every ten year player, um, maybe longer. So that's where we're talking about Sark maybe with more of a running back by committee well, this I hope year. I the kid comes off the hernia well because I liked the way he Jonathan looked. Brooks, yeah. yeah I, I just didn't realize he had that kind of speed. But he's a, he's a pull-away guy. He pulls away from guys. We also have uh, two bids of $6 billion to buy the Washington Commanders. It's out there. $6 billion. Now, what does it mean? What does it all mean? We'll tell you coming up because there are some that think that the $6 billion bidder may just be buying it to sell it to somebody else. Oh, yeah, we'll get you details on that coming up. The sale of the Washington Commanders. Also, the Indianapolis Colts owner, Jim Ursay, has weighed in on the Lamar Jackson conversation. Would the Colts be an interested party? We'll let you know what the owner had to say on that, plus more on the Longhorns on this Wednesday. It's B&E with you on 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, always streaming, live, local, and digital on your Horn app, on your smart speaker, and at hornfm.com. 